Well, welcome to another episode of Breakaway from the Rat Race. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with Fernando Corona. Uh, Fernando is an out-of-state real estate investor who made his way into real estate market in search, uh, in search of time freedom. So I know I talk a lot about financial freedom, but really it comes down to time when you're thinking about that. And in the short three years of entrepreneurship, he and his wife have been able to achieve the desired lifestyle of traveling while working and taking days off to go to the beach with their 17-month-old daughter, all the while allowing cash-flowing investments to pay for their lifestyles. Um, they currently invest in the rent-by-the-room model, where they turned a four-bedroom, four two-bath house into an eight-bedroom, two-bath house uh, to increase rents that would normally be $2,000 a month up to nearly $6,000 a month while simultaneously helping solve the problem of affordable housing. Fernando, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Eric. That's um, exactly, it's almost like somebody wrote that for you. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> almost. Uh, so, um, so, Give, uh, so rent rent by the room model. So this is something very, uh, very different. I mean, we haven't talked about that for a while uh, when uh, people are actually splitting the rooms and kind of like use, changing the layout of the of the house in order to accommodate uh, more people and renting by the room. So tell us more about that model. Yeah. And how it works. Yeah. So most people that are probably listening to this refer to it as house hacking. And so when they house hack, they, they live in one room and they rent out all the other rooms. So, so the concept itself isn't like super, super new, but what we do just to even maximize that, there's two key components. One is like, we optimize all the square footage of the house. So we're not adding square footage, but the dining room, like if there's a dining room and there's a living room, right? And there's a storage room, those are all becoming rooms. Exactly. So we're just maximizing the square footage of the home. And now we've actually um, been able to expand into nine bedroom, three baths or 10 bedroom, three baths. Again, just increases the overall cash flow of the property, right? The property utilization. What's How do you basically turn the property into a business? Um, and then you just maximize it from there. So that's kind of the first thing. The second thing though, that wasn't really available until recently is a software that allows homeowners to manage everything remotely. I think uh, house hackers, they're usually self-managing, mm -hmm. right? And they maybe have one property or, or they'll have two, but it, it starts to get difficult at scale. And then it starts to get even more difficult if you start to do it out of state remotely. Yeah. And you, you've got to piece a lot of different things together to, to manage that. Um, so that's, that's the software that we mentioned uh, that we talked about pad split that we've been using. They're, they're just like the Airbnb. They're a platform that brings homeowners and people who you know need a place to stay together. That's all they are. Oh, wow, wow. So, um, but do you have, you have a property manager? So I have lots of questions, obviously. You have a property manager that does that? Yeah, that, so we had to find, you, you do have to find property managers who are willing to take on a That's house. That's very different than their regular that. model, right? So, when, so now they have to manage by the room and all that. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And so they get notifications anytime. And, and that's the whole piece, right? That software notifies them anytime somebody's moving out. And then immediately we'll get like a booking. Like let's say somebody's moving out on Wednesday, we could get a booking the same day saying somebody's moving in on Friday. And mm -hmm. so that alerts the property manager to go ahead and flip the property on Wednesday or Thursday. Yeah. Are they charging more for managing the property? What's, what's the percentage of gross rent? Gross rents? Um, in terms of property management, like what are they charging? What's their fee? Yeah. 
Yeah, eight percent. So the 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 whole property management fee is is high. I'm not gonna. But that's uh, that's actually very. Uh, it's in line with how much I'm paying right now. So. But the the caveat to that is pad split takes a fee, just like Airbnb oh, takes. A fee. Oh, I see. I see. Okay. Right. So like the whole property management, like when Airbnb takes a fee, property management takes a fee, right? You know, you got your cleaning fees. So your overall, your overhead does go up, but it allows you the peace of mind to ask, to still scale. Okay. Right? So okay. Padsplit takes a, right now they take a 12% fee. Okay. So think about property management taking like 20% of your gross rents. Okay. Um, it's the numbers still work out extremely well for the investors, and which is why we're, we're doing it. Um, and then you just make sure everybody has to eat, right? Everybody, <laughs> everybody takes their piece of the pie. But at the end, we're still pretty happy. Yeah. And then just uh, how about the construction and permitting? Is this allowed in every every kind of market? Or is this like only some, some markets that are like saturated? Yeah. I mean, we're using PadSplit. So they're the ones we're we're using their platform. So we really have to kind of go with their market determination. Okay. And they if you go to their site, they are in a, in a few metro markets. They're basically starting in the heavy metro markets that yeah. require affordable housing, right? Or there's a significant lack of affordable housing. And then us investors can still buy a nice home, you know, under $250,000, under $300,000. And then we splice it up. Now, to answer your question, it's not permitted. We could get it permitted, yeah. right? If we wanted to, it just delays the construction project another two or three months. Mm -hmm. But we we just are currently kind of laying flying under the radar. Um, it, yeah, more so for cash flow. But that is one of the things to keep in mind. Okay, okay. Because some of the markets that I'm in, I, mean, I actually have to have like an occupancy inspection. So with the city, before I can rent anything, I mean, I could do uh, it legally, I guess. But before I rent anything, I have to have an inspector from the city to come and check the house, make sure everything is passed there in fact, inspection. Uh, after the rehab after the rehab and before we uh, we rent so that's a little bit of a but i guess it depends on the market and if yeah. you are in a situation where uh, it's such a, it's a big city and they are saturated there's not enough room for people then maybe they kind of like uh, turn a blind eye and um and, and go i, I think so because i've even talked to pat split about it and they've got you know maybe close to a thousand homes in atlanta only like just in atlanta yeah. And I think if, if at least eight people are living, right, that's 8,000 people. Yeah. And so it, at that point, you know, there's a really big conversation to be had if if anybody comes in and starts like, you know, yeah. moving people around. It's like, what are you going to do with all these people? So I think, um, yeah, that, that's that's something for the city to try to solve. Yeah. But that's exactly why we exist, right? Entrepreneurs exist to solve problems that like bigger systems and the government or the city can't essentially solve themselves. That's a good way to put it. Thank you. I'm a problem solver. We are. <laughs> yeah. We are problem solvers. At the uh, but that's. I mean, in, in, it's true. I mean, we we are looking for uh, needs and uh, and problems. We come up with a solution so that we can make money on the solution. So that that makes perfect mm -hmm. sense. Uh, so yeah. tell me about kind of like how many units do you currently have, and um, you know, kind of like any kind of uh, yeah, kind of. And also maybe the market, like how many people are on bad split? How many people are actually doing this? Yeah. So overall across all of Pat split, I mean, I, I don't work for them, but they, they probably have, I mean, they're in Tampa, Jacksonville, they're in Atlanta, they're in Las Vegas. They just come, came out to LA, they're in Dallas, they're in Houston. So they're like expanding out. Um, 
so you know over i mean i I, don't, I can't speak on the exact numbers yeah but i don't know let's say over 2000 or so they oh. launched in 2017 wow. and so okay it's not how like many, how many units do you currently have yeah so i so right now we have two that are live we have two that are in rehab and then we've partnered up with another three that have taken theirs live as well okay so um from one of these right and this is where you start to think like our goal wasn't own 10 properties to make a thousand dollars in profit mm -hmm. it was how do we minimize the amount of properties we own to maximize the cash flow that was the situation that we we're in that my wife and i were in yeah, yeah. and uh, this is for more so the people maybe who have limited capital yeah. you have limited capital and you're really trying to maximize you know that capital usage mm -hmm. so for us off of one property we're making about three thousand dollars net profit yeah and so what that means you know for Pro the profit or you mean cash flow no no that's profit cash flow is like six thousand Okay. So it, we're making on that, on that first one, we're making about 3000 on the second one, we're making about 2000 because interest rates have kind of creeped up. Okay. okay. So what I, and I'm talking in that, that first one, we were hitting probably 30, 35% cash ROI. Okay. Um, so you're getting, how much are you getting in rent? $6,000. That's the gross rent, right? Because yeah. That's the gross, gross rent. $6,000. Then you have your operating expense, including uh, your um, uh, your property management, your right twenty percent to take twenty percent for all of the property management and um, management fees. Okay, and then so that would be your net operating income would be kind of like uh, was that twelve hundred dollars? So that's like forty eight hundred. You're at net operating income, and then you would have uh, your mortgage payment. So that's a two hundred thousand dollar house. How much are you paying on mortgage? The first one was like, it's like a thousand dollars. Okay. Wow. And then that other 800 accounts for, um, uh, utilities. Who do you pay for utilities? Oh, we cover okay. utilities. We'll pay for water, gas, electricity. We'll pay for trash. We'll pay for lawn. Okay. Okay. So you're left with, and that's what we call like cash flow. After you've paid all your expenses. So that, that cash flow, that all your expenses, yeah. your mortgage is paid. You're left with $3,000. And you've put on a $200,000 house, you put like 20% down, like, so $40,000 and stuff like that. Uh, on that one, we, um, we did 15% down investment okay. property, 15% yeah. down. Um, but yes, for, if we're doing like a DSCR loan or something, we, yeah. we'll do LLC, you know, on the LLC, we'll do 20%. Yeah. Um, but in that case, it was 15. So all in, and then we still have to add the rooms. So yeah. for that property, all in cash was like 70. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. So that's right. You have to add the room and then yep. so you had seven and we furnish it okay. in cash invested in that property. Right. All right. Um, so that brings another interesting point. So, so $70,000 in, you have $33,000 in net cash flow. I'm not going to calculate, but uh, so that's 36,000. Well, that's almost like 45% uh, cash on cash return. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I mean, it, it's not uh, perfect every single month, yeah. but that's that's been pretty good. It's been in that two to three, two to three K range pretty okay. consistently. Because you get, we factor in 10% um, vacancies, you know? Yeah. And we had a, I mean, real it's real estate. We had a flood. A bottom floor flooded, you know, pipe oh. broke, just uh, raccoons ate through the roof. 
So you just have like these like I random hate raccoons, things. by the way. These raccoons are <laughs> so it's just uh and I post I, I share about that, right? Like yeah. stuff happens in real estate. Like we can get super theoretical, yeah. but like you know, stuff happens. And so how are we preparing well, exactly. for that? Yeah. And that's why for so for you, like the 10%, 10% vacancy you said you were accounting for? How much? Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes sense. So what's the turnover? Like how long are people staying that? Is it more like a, a temporary kind of, uh, would you say like a rental situation or people staying there for, uh, you know, two years? And Yeah. So we have somebody who's, who stayed in there now for 18 months. Okay. So pretty, pretty long. And then we have people that stay there for two months. I would say the average tenant for us is in that six to eight month range. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So that's what so I thought. I thought it'd be, I was thinking for myself, like this is just a limited amount of, of time. It's like a midterm and we call it, we call it a midterm rental. Midterm rental. Okay. Yeah. It's a midterm rental style. And in a perfect world, I mean, we can talk more on the philosophy. I'm curious to get your feedback, but yeah. You know, the the home prices are just getting higher. Yeah. Rents are just getting higher. That yeah. means deposits needed to get into a property are getting higher, right? Everybody's credit scores are getting higher. So there's a higher like disparagement, let's say, between like the low in the low income class and like the middle class to actually get into like a market and live by where they actually work. Yeah. And so I see like community living or rent by the room models, right? we talk about the market, I, I don't, I don't see it going away. I see it as, as a way that millennials and people who are virtual anyways, yeah. are just going to be hanging out in their rooms. Yeah. It's a sad, it could be a sad reality. <laughs> it's a sad yeah. reality. Right. But oh, it, it's like, yeah. I, I, I think that's uh, I mean, I think that's, this is true. I think the, uh, you know, the good old American dream that, you know, you're going to own your home and all of that and have your dog and your two uh two kids and all that kind of stuff and you know it's not it's a little bit different and that's and i don't think it's that bad necessarily i think it's uh i think it's just a, it's definitely a shift i think the, the the millennials i think the mentality is also more about life experience it's more about uh sharing than uh other generations I mean, you know, right. sharing, sharing cars, sharing, you know, sharing everything, everything, yeah. everything shared. So it's the whole the shared model, uh, which is which is very interesting. I think it's probably a more efficient use of resor resources anyway. Yeah. But um, I think on the real estate side, I, think I agree with you. I think there's a lot of, um, especially the millennials, I think they're in the family formation. I mean, I've talked about that. Uh, they want to get out yeah. of the family, <laughs> the parental home. And sounds like that you know they uh, you know they might go into a situation like this, or for us, I mean, we're seeing them actually going into um, maybe they're a little bit older, but now they want to have kids and they want to be they want to rent a single family home with mm. a backyard and all of that, and they imagine kids running around, but yep. they can't afford to buy the house, so they rent they rent the house. Yep. And you know, in my situation, I mean, I'm. I fully embrace the uh, the rental model. I I mean I rent my you know this uh, luxury condo or apartment here, and uh, it would cost me way more to own this piece of uh, this condo than uh, it it is costing me to rent it. it. It doesn't make any sense, but that's the reality. When do you of think it. Uh, in in your um, in your opinion, when did you make that? Let's say. Um... The separation, like, how, I don't want to say how much income, but there's a point where you're renting 
Mm-hmm. And in order to build wealth, like you've got to keep your expenses low. You know, like it's cool yeah. like, to build wealth, but if you just get into another rental place, that's, you know, like if we just went to another place that was whatever, $10,000 in, in rent, then we're back to living paycheck, you know, we're poor. Yeah. So like, at, at what point did you say like, Hey, like, what would you recommend? I guess more so to, you have to, to look at the, uh, the overall picture, right? So yeah, for me, like I have to look at the total cost of ownership of a home. Yeah. Uh, so property taxes, the maintenance, the, even the insurance was significantly higher on the house. Mm-hmm. And then, um, then you have to look at the opportunity cost, the amount of money that you're putting as down payment towards the house. Uh, and then I can invest that in real estate, right? I can invest that in real estate fairly easily at, you know, 10% or 8% cash on cash return on, on some, uh, single family rental is probably mm-hmm. more than do, but so it's that money can make money. And that's exactly uh, what happens is that you just, you, I can invest all this equity into this and just like, okay. And then I make this much money. Yep. And then basically when I sold my house, it, that, uh, that investment, investing the equity, uh, basically paid for all my living expenses. So, wow, yeah. but I had a pretty unique situation because I had already started Martel Turnkey and so I knew that I already had a business model that worked and I just put all my money on that and nice a couple of apartment buildings and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. And that's why we, that's one of the reasons why we have that Martel turnkey that people can do the same thing and they can say, okay, well, I have all this money. I want to turn that into cash flowing, uh, cash flow, uh, so, and if you don't have these turnkey providers and it's hard to go and invest and get started right away. Right. And, and, um, that, that goes like, I live in California. Yeah. I think one of the things we had chatted about is like, why don't I, I invest in the, in my backyard? Yeah. yeah. And, um, it's that opportunity cost that you talk about, yeah. right? Like you can't get a, you can't get a house here for under 600. It just yeah. doesn't make sense. And even the house for 600, you're not getting a lot of a house. Yeah, that's <laughs> you know? so, it's a condo yeah. and it's a condo and you have to pay a thousand dollars in condo fee or something. Like exactly. That. You get, you paying HO. So all the costs that people don't think about um, yeah. the taxes, the insurance, the HOAs, uh, yeah. what yeah. the maintenance, like all of that just adds on. And so mm-hmm. My, I'm 30, my wife's 31. So like in no way are we at like where we want to be at. We're yeah. starting, but we have to make tough decisions, right? Yeah. Like I'm not sure who your your listener base is exactly. Are, are they more are they more millennials yeah. right now? I or where, where Gen, I think they're Gen X uh and also millennials. Yeah, I think this is a pretty broad range of of people. Yeah, then we have to make pretty significant sacrifices. You know, our, our parents grew up when home prices were $120,000 in California, yeah. which is insane. And now it just doesn't make sense. Our, the, the whole, our salary, a typical salary has gone up, you know, some percentage, but then the home prices have gone up, whatever. Yeah. I mean, and that transformation happened really, uh, you know, over the last, you know, 75 years. I mean, the, the salary increase, the ho- household income increase has never matched inflation. So there's always been, you know, oh shoot! I didn't know that. Yeah, right. So if you look at the history, so yeah, over the seventy last seventy five years, it's always been you know eating away at it uh, right. at the affordability. And if you compare, if you do a ratio of uh, median house price in the seventies uh, mm-hmm. with the median uh, median household income in that time, houses were more affordable back then than they are today. Yeah. You know, yeah. we have huge increase in salary. The houses also have increased significantly 
and then yeah so that is less affordable now than it was before exactly and so then we, we we have to make sacrifices and and the sacrifices are like you have to live poor i mean you know live quote unquote to um so that you can continue to build more wealth mm -hmm. and then reinvest yeah. and then at, at a certain point it's like so we, my wife and i we have like a five-year time horizon and yeah. we're uh we just we've only we actually just celebrated our two-year anniversary oh congratulations oh so, you know we yeah we learned we're thinking about becoming marriage counselors now i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> so uh you know before you know um i used to think like man you know like boom two years will you know it will be fine and and we can live you know the life we want to live in perfect world but but you realize that even as you start stacking up rental properties and stacking up cash flow yeah still have to keep our expenses low yeah and like until like we get to a certain point and um that and i think that that was the question where it's like that difference of of knowing how long to delay certain levels of gratification yeah so that you, you know you last a lifetime and know? this is great for you because i think and this is where because when you're getting started you already are making, uh, you know, you, you're already pretty frugal when you're young. You don't have that many expenses. And so keep that, keep that same uh, lifestyle as long as you can, right? Um, you don't have any of the bad habits that people have. Uh, so when you, if you have been working for a long time and you have these high salary job and all of that, it is a little bit addicting. Like if you're a lawyer, a doctor and stuff like that, you're making a lot of money and yeah. it's kind of hard to say, Oh, now I'm going to get, I'm not going to take all that money in. I'm going to buy rentals and stuff like that. It's a pretty significant uh, drop. And then your, your passive income target is that much higher. Yeah. So I think um, when you're young, I think when it's the ideal time to get started, don't buy a home, don't buy a house, a primary residence, continue to rent, invest that down payment, um, you know, in California, you know, $600,000 house, you know, if, if you can find one like that, mm -hmm. that's uh, what 20% down payment, that's $120,000. Which is crazy. And, and you're not going to, you're barely going to cash flow, if at all, you probably but won't. It won't cash flow in California. That's guaranteed. Yeah. But if you take that $120,000 and you invest it in a single family rental, you know, let's say you have a uh, the single family rentals that we're we're selling just as an yeah. example just because i know the numbers thirty thousand dollars down payment so that means that you can buy four houses yeah four houses are going to give you twelve hundred dollars in down in uh, cash flow every right. month. Uh, yeah. and if you look at your model your model at you put seventy thousand dollars down payment after mm -hmm. one down payment 15 percent plus the repairs to right. split the unit and all of that, $70,000 in, you can do two of those and then make $6,000 a month in yeah. cash flow. Yeah. And realistically, just uh, as a caveat, right now, because of the way interest rates are, yeah, we are, I tell my investors between $1,200 and $2,000 is yeah. what they could they can expect to cash flow. And it's because the price of the homes have gone up. Yeah. And um, so as you can see, when we were doing the calculation, yeah. the biggest hit to that is insurance and mortgage. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so because the, the prices have gone up and the interest rates are up, yeah. the mortgage is now two thousand dollars instead of a thousand dollars. Yeah. So but that you have an adjustable rate loan or you have a. Yeah. Um, oh. Well, 
we, we we are now having to get into the arms. We're getting to the interest only, interest only arms or the interest oh. only DSCRs. Okay. Um, now that's now though. I, I'm we're getting into those products so that we can pay, we can cash flow more. But we're doing interest only for five years, and then refinance at like the three, four, five year mark. Once interest rates interest rates come down, that's the yeah. that's the expectation. Yeah, because right now, I mean, I would if you can, and that's what one of my question as well. Because your ma- my, can you get traditional financing with your single family home? If you can, I would rather have a fixed rate for thirty years than go into an adjustable rate. Right, because you're saying, can you refinance in with that type of structure? Is that right? Yeah. So with that, how after you've done the, all the constructions and then it's yeah. rented out, and then maybe there is a maybe there is a seasoning period. I don't of six months. Then refinance it at um, with you know a fixed rate thirty year mortgage. Is it possible right. to do conventional financing on these houses? So it's, it's going to depend. I think the a, the ARV is going to be, if you, if you went to refinance with all the rooms inside, then yeah. you're, the appraiser is going to go in there and say, what do I comp this against? Right. Yeah. And you, so it's going to, you're going to have to probably get work with different lenders that are willing to even comp that and then look at it as something they could resell. Yeah. So the, I've seen it done before. Yes. Did the, would the ARV come down, come back a little lower? Also, yes. Yeah, yeah. So it's just understanding that. Or when you and also the loan to value, because I think the Airbnb market, if you have an Airbnb, you, you can get, I think you can get uh, conventional financing, but the loan to value is significantly less. Yeah. You can get like your yep. 60% loan to value. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. So oh, that, that means you have more cash in the property and yep. stuff like that. It might still make sense, but, you know, that's something to think about. Yeah, same thing with the um with the DSCR ratio loans. Yeah. So those those are ones that we're exploring as well because then they all they care about is the income of the property. So yeah. it's not yeah. quite conventional, but yeah. going that route is a there could be a little bit more lenient because of again the cash flow of the property. It's a business. They they they're going in another mindset that this is more of like a commercial type yeah. of loan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, okay, so and then the financing that you would get out of that is also an uh, adjustable rate. Yeah, you can do the DSCR arm loans. Okay. Like you, you can do both of those. And so we're, right now we, we're actually in the middle of vetting lenders. Yeah. Um, so for those listening, it's, you know, September, can I say the date you know, on, yeah, on the show? Can, yeah, so September 29th, 2022. Yeah. And um, recently right now we're getting quoted 7.5% to 8.5% for, for the DSCR commercial loan that loans to the LLCs, yeah. right? And, and we could be- That's um, adjustable. Right. That's an, yep. And that's a five. So it's like a five, one, okay. five, one adjustable rate mortgage. Okay. Exactly. That was super technical. And for anybody listening who understood all that, like you want to explain, you want to explain. Yeah. So, so the DSCR loan to me, um, I, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. And when I left my W2 job, everybody said, Oh my gosh, Fernando, how are you ever going to buy a house? You don't have a W2. You don't have tax returns. You don't have proof of income. And I said, I'm not the first person in the United States to ever leave a W-2 job. There has to be a solution. Yeah. It's just a thought that I had. And so I, I wasn't, the thought of not buying a home wasn't going to keep me in a position that I didn't really want to be in. Mm-hmm. So I just said, there has to be a solution out there. And that's why I left my, my job and I went on my quest to find multiple solutions, investing in real estate, how to make money outside of W-2. And we landed on the DSCR loan, yeah. which was like, 
it blew my mind how cool it is and what what it what it is for those who who may not know uh, instead of lending to a person conventional financing lends to a person meaning you have a w2 income and you are personally guaranteeing the loan based off of the income that you have like your tax returns your proof of income all that stuff so the bank says hey you're lendable even if you know as long as your debt to income ratios are good we're going to loan you money to go buy this house and um, then which is which is good uh, you it becomes bad you know in 2008 when they did like no doc loans and yeah. people were people were getting mortgages that they technically didn't qualify for but the banks were fudging the numbers to help them qualify yeah. and so that's one way of lending the second way of lending is when a bank says hey we're going to vet the property and they do do this for multifamilies we're going to we're going to do an underwriting on the property to see how much does can this property cash flow if it was rented out and so they do the same thing for us okay can cash flow x amount of dollars and what's the mortgage the mortgage is you know let's say the mortgage is $1000 cash flow is 2000 that's a 2 to 1 ratio meaning that they feel comfortable loaning you money because they know the property is already going to pay for the mortgage itself and so in the worst case scenario, they had to re recuperate the property from you. They know that the, that they could rent the property out and still make money and pay off their loan, right? So they're they're renting to the property as opposed to necessarily renting to, uh, they're loaning, lending to the property as opposed to lending to you. Um, the only thing they ask us for is proof of funds. Yeah. And there sometimes is a seasoning period. So I've seen as little as three days and as the most of 60 yeah. days. Okay. Yeah. The, the, the rates are, you're, you're always going to be competing with rates yeah. though. So, um, so and then there is a seasoning period. They ask for FICO. Yeah. You have over 700, um, over 740 is ideal. You know, you're going to get the best rates over 740, but they could loan you, you know, I think as low as like 650 or something. No. You know, and then, but you're just going to be paying higher rates. Yeah. So that is, that's the DSCR loan as long, um, anything and else that I missed? Rate, when you say you have a rate that's 5-1, that means that it's fixed for five years at that particular interest rate. Yep. And fixed for five years. That is adjustable every year after that to, uh, to the market. There might be a cap or not. Right. And then get into more details where of, of like, well, how much can they adjust each year, yeah. right? And yeah, is there a cap as to like, what's the highest? Yeah. Back in, I mean, I was in high school in 2008, but I think one of the issues that happened is people were put into these arm loans and was there no cap or what, what was the, what was the biggest yeah, issue? Was the, the deal was, uh, you know, very low. Uh, some of them had zero down payment also. Uh, and then the idea was that, yeah, it, it was, uh, what do they call it? Like a, an incentive rate or something like that. They say, hey, we're going to give you this like very low interest rate, but then in five years, we're going to bring it back to market. So no caps. And then that's kind of uh, where that thing uh, hit the fan. Right. Because because you'll qualify for the loan under yeah. the whatever, one, two, three percent, but you you don't really qualify once that balloons up to whatever, six, seven, eight, ten percent, whatever it went up to. Yeah. 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 Yep. It was... Not a good situation, but we're not in that situation now. I think the, yeah. a lot of the uh, a lot of the boards are you know, have been better. They're uh, they have you know, so I don't think it's a it's a problem. And I think even if the real estate market was to go down significantly, and if I'm a homeowner, I mean, even if I'm underwater, I would just okay. I'm just gonna keep paying my mortgage. I'm not gonna walk away 
But right. in 2008, I mean, this was like, there was no way out. And they were kind of redoing, like uh, doing, um, uh, redoing, uh, what's that word called? Like when they're redoing, recasting basically the mortgage and say, well, we're going to kind of like do a refi on the mortgage and stuff like that. They couldn't even do that because the people were not qualified. So right. now <laughs> as an homeowner, I can go to another bank and say, well, you know, this or the, my existing bank and say, okay, well, this is not working out for me. Can we change the terms, refinance it and stuff like that? Right. And I'm qualified as a lender and I can, okay, can you restart, restart, re expand the, uh, uh, the terms of the, of the loan and all that kind right. of thing. So, so there's some more flexibility now in the system that, uh, that we, these people didn't have in 2008. So, yep, yep, yep. So then, in that case, or with your experience, Eric, are you saying um, certain real estate markets, or, or the, especially the ones you invest in, you kind of see it now just going sideways for a little while? Yeah. Like not necessarily like, but just like sideways. Yeah. Yeah. And I think some markets are more, I think some markets, I'm thinking, especially like Austin, Phoenix, Las Vegas, and stuff, like they were like, during the pandemic, these markets like went through the roof because people were exiting, you know, other markets like San Francisco and, you know. Yeah. LA. I mean, I, I'm seeing it in LA right now where the, the, the luxury market's getting hit hard. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. Always. These are the first, A and B, uh, luxury and A class properties, their first one to go down. Mm. And that's why I invest in B and C class properties. Uh, everybody's going to move down. Yeah. To, uh, another level property. If, they, in that situation where they, they have to uh, kind of like adjust their budget and stuff like that. So that's why B and C class are solid. Uh, and, you know, actually I'm seeing in my market, I'm actually seeing uh, still the price increasing in, uh, in my markets like Cleveland. And uh, yeah, that's kind of because you're, you're still competing with outside investors as well. Not so much. So the big, uh, the, the, the Black Rock and all of that, or Blackstone, Black Rock, Blackstone. I know it's yeah, one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> they, uh -huh. uh, they invest more into the, the, the better property, the A-class a property and stuff like that. Mm. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens. And so they don't invest in our market. Uh, the mm. other people that uh, are the same neighborhoods that we invest in. So, you know, we're clear. We don't have them. So that works for us. Well, yeah, it's kind of interesting. Uh, yep. So what do you think the interest rate, uh, what's going to happen with the interest rate? Um, I mean, ideas? I think... Uh, oh, what do I you think, think of the interest rate today? Because I think you haven't seen... I'm going to assume you don't have... You haven't lived like, uh, you know, 50, 70 years. Some assumptions here. Uh, but... Uh, you know, you have an experience. I mean, your your experience of uh, of of uh, kind of like loan lending and mortgage and stuff like that is probably you probably remember two thousand and eight vividly and low low interest rate. That's all you've seen pretty much is low interest rate in the last ten years. Yeah. So where do you feel the interest rate rate is at today? Do you think it's high, or do you think it's uh, I mean, I've actually done like historical research and I know it, it, it used to. So to be fair, like, you know, I do my I do a little bit of research because I, I'm only 30, but at least I know when history, it, it everything's a pattern. I mean, yeah. physics, whatever, logic, um, how we think, I just, I just think everything's a pattern. And so I'm like, OK, here I am zoomed in. But like, let's look way back 
And I, what I've seen and noticed is like every 10 years, there's a disruption in the market for some yeah. reason, right? It's been a war, I don't know, COVID, like something, for some reason, something happens every 10 years. Yeah. And a 2001 bubble, who knows, all this, and I was born in 91. So what I, th- and I know that before then, interest rates used to be at like 10% or higher. Yeah. So, and you're, so even though the prices were way lower, you know, you had significantly higher interest rates, but that was like the norm. Yeah. And so right now it's just, um, you know, getting it, it, they need to cool off inflation. They need to cool off like this crazy bubbles or else we're going to end up in a situation of like hyperinflation. And then it's so weird though, that the U S dollar is actually now getting stronger than the British pound and, yeah. and, and the Euro. Mm-hmm. So that's like macroeconomics that I don't fully understand and grasp. Like I'm still in the just United States economics. Yeah. That, that is crazy. And so I think it for us, for as an investor, like my numbers work. It's mm-hmm. the same thing I tell all my, like whoever I'm partnering with or whoever I'm, I'm explaining to, if the numbers still work, no matter the interest rate, no matter the purchase price, yeah. like you have to look at your numbers. And are, at, at what point are you okay? Like if you're still making 8%, 10%, you know, um, then it doesn't matter what market, like exactly. what the market does, mm-hmm. you're still cash flowing what you, yeah, what you cash want to cash flow. Cash and cash return. Yeah, absolutely. That's it. Yeah. And so, and then I don't, I'm not flipping a cash flowing property in a year or two. So I don't care if my actual house price goes down 10% or whatever, 20%, because if I hold, I'm still cash flowing. Yeah. Like I'm still going to be cash flowing $3,000 on my first property. It doesn't matter if the price comes back down 20 grand or 30 grand. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of like in my head where I'm at. Um, so it, independent of market conditions, I think I can just put in lower offers now. Right, like as the market yeah, starts, it might to- get better actually for you for the ac- on the acquisition side. You might be able more negotiating power yep. um, when you're buying your properties, and then I can always refinance in the future. Mm-hmm. And I, but I locked it in at a lower price of the home. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, so- the only so yeah, and that, that's true. I mean, so and then you would determine. So since your uh, mortgages are five year fixed. So you would hope that five years from now, the interest rate is the same or, or about the, uh, around the same rate that you, uh, where we are today. You don't expect it to be like right. 12% five years from now. Exactly. That, that, that's, what, that's, what, that's the hope, right? If it's at 12% five years from now, that'd be interesting. The good news is that the properties would still cash flow even at 12% ah, there we go. interest. No problem. Um, you had asked me um, a question earlier about like, well, so what do I think about this model? Like, how's the model going to perform in this market? Yeah. And like, we had the property, we had a, we were in this model before COVID mm-hmm. or right when COVID hit and everybody was concerned for, for us, yeah. like, you know, we're renting out to the lower income households and what if they, they, they all, whatever, they all lose their jobs. You know, the restaurant business lost their job. There was grocery stores that, that um, were dropped. Yeah. You know, airports were were shut down. Like every, there were so many reasons why we should not have performed well. Yeah. But we are diversified in terms of like, we have eight people. We be, I call it like a multifamily in a single family. Yeah. We have eight people in a house. Yeah. And we're profitable up until the fourth person leaves. Oh. That means we need five people to leave the entire property or stop paying rent yeah. in order to lose money. Yeah. So we were in situations. We have built-in diversification, basically. 
Exactly. So we, we did have it. We, we did have to deal with one eviction, yeah. right? There was a time, you know, there's times where somebody wasn't in. Yeah. So, or there's a time where they're like room swaps. I think at the worst possible time for like two weeks, we had three people, like three vacancies. Yeah. And, or, and that was like when we we're dealing with the eviction. But at that point, this is, this is kind of crazy. We were still cash flowing a thousand dollars a month. Oh, no, that's good. Very good. So it, it's, um, so yeah, that's my opinion. And even if the market gets worse, I think that um, I'm buying in landlord friendly states. Yeah. So like eviction laws are a little friendlier to us. Mm -hmm. um, it's like the moratorium thing like that. We weren't really affected by that if we needed to deal with an eviction. Um, there, I mean, there's just, so for me, um, I expect it to do well, even if interest rates rise. Uh, independent of market conditions. If, you know, the house prices go down, okay, good. Then we just, you know, we get a buy and now a down, yeah. refinance later. Um, I'm excited because this is, in my opinion, truly solving a problem. Like I think we mentioned, yeah. right? The problem of affordable housing, like affordable housing right now, there's, there's such a lack of affordable housing and that I think that market's only growing. Yeah. So if it's growing, I think you'd, you'd agree, like we want to, capture growing markets like we yeah. want to be in that as they start to span yeah um, so i think that's where we're at right now so fernando it was uh, great talking to you but unfortunately we have to kind of like wrap up here so yeah if people want to know more if people are interested in uh, your business model they want to know how to get started where can they reach out to you yeah so on instagram at it's fernando corona and same thing on YouTube, just typing in my name, Fernando Corona, real estate investing. You can learn more about the model, more about what I'm up to. Um, just a lot of information that I share, uh, just like with you, Eric, here. Yeah. And that, I'd say those are the top places to connect. Excellent. Well, thank you, Fernando. It was a pleasure yeah. talking to you. No, thanks for having me on. Okay, great. Take care. Thank you for listening to Break Away from the Rat Race with your host, Eric Martel. If you want to share your story and experience with our listeners, please message us on Facebook at Break Away from the Rat Race. Also, please subscribe to our YouTube channel and our podcast on iTunes.